<clears throat> All right, so keeping with our tradition, we're going to start off with a, a poll. And so uh, if you have a separate device, you can scan in this QR code, or you can uh, go to slido.com and enter in this, uh, this poll code here. So we've got three questions uh, to kind of get us kicked off. Hmm. Mine says there are no active polls at this moment. Okay, just a second. Maybe I'm faster than you. What's the what's the code? Uh, it should be there on your screen. The one three four nine nine three four. I see it for myself. So okay. it's working on my end. Yeah, it one, came up. It came up. One, now. Okay. Three, one three four nine what? Nine three four. Mine doesn't work. Um, uh, oh, I, I know, I know, I know. Okay. I'm not uh, connected with internet. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> how do I, how do I do this? I have a one and a five. Oh, I just do my stars. Is that what I do? Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, if you rate it as one star, uh, it means no, just read the Bible. There at the top, it, it kind of gives the, the score. And then uh, five stars is yes, they help us understand the Bible. So is there a value to myth and stories? And so if you do not agree, you would choose a, a one star. If you uh, believe that there is value with myth and stories, uh, then a five would be your score. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't get uh, the, the question. I, I can't understand what uh, question is uh -huh. here. Yeah, so is there... Um, is it good to have myths and stories? Um, uh, so if you if you don't think that there is a value in uh, telling stories other than the Bible, um, then you would do a one star. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I think I would add a caveat as long uh -huh. as you are reading the Bible along with the myths, like not just like reading the myths only mm -hmm. and it has to be in tandem and how it relates to it. Yeah. I love that. Well, I also think, I mean, I put yes, but I think it also helps us understand life, not mm -hmm. just the Bible. Right. Yeah. Like there's value in myths. I think stories and, um, and myths also help teach at multi-levels. It makes mm -hmm. Jesus's words more multidimensional because it's able to reach broader types of understanding. Mm -hmm. I think also from my own experience, having two young children who, you know, I do want to try to delve into these Bible stories, but they're not as relatable as I would have hoped they would to be. Mm -hmm. And so I found it really helpful to, you know, use i i'm right right now i'm reading pilgrim's progress but it's a children's version for yeah. it and if anybody's familiar with that work um it's just super fascinating because it's a really easy simple to follow along allegory of you know going to find christ and heavenly father and reading that has really helped my children understand more about the bible and the book of mormon and how to see christ and how to go to him mm -hmm. yeah i love that 
Yeah, I love that series too. I just barely started those this last year and they're quite amazing. All right. Um, so for there was a couple people in the waiting room that I <laughs> missed. So uh, those just joining, we're kind of doing our, our poll questions here to, to kick us off. So the, the first question, um, is there value to myth and stories? Uh, a one star would be no. Just read the Bible. That's all we need. Versus uh, five star would be yes. They they truly help us understand the Bible. Um, so we're going to go on to the next um, poll question. Maybe why is my button not there? Let's see. Show polls. Like it's not letting me go to the next button. <laughs> all right. So we'll go to this one. All right, so how well do you know the Baal cycle? So one being, I've never heard of it, and five being, yes, I can identify the Baal cycle in scriptures. Right. Let me know if somebody needs more time here. But yeah, uh, this one is is very interesting, right? With uh, Avraham's works was the the first time that I'd ever heard of the Baal cycle. Um, but <laughs> he, he keeps mentioning it in all of his books in different uh, various ways. And uh, I finally dove into it and realized, wow, if you don't understand the Baal cycle, how do we even understand the Bible? <laughs> it's very interesting um, how prevalent uh, that that myth is in our Canaanite and Jewish uh, traditions. We grew up watching it, right? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, so let's see. What are some... All right, and then let's do this one. So this one's a word cloud where you can just type in whatever. Um, but what are some movies and stories that portray the archetypal Baal cycle as described in this chapter? So we have Baal and Anath, and there's violence and sex, and um, where one god is trying to thwart other people, and it's usually these... Um, uh, there's usually a death of the hero, but yet he gets resurrected or comes out of um, his his death scene or uh, his weakness and uh, is ultimately triumphant. Uh, many times the, the female consort is the, the one that um, pulls him out of that, and then they have their summer loving, <laughs> for lack of a better word, and uh, make it on top. So what are some movies and stories that come to mind that portray the archetypal Baal cycle, kind of as it's described in this chapter?
this one's kind of like a hard one because I have to like go back and like, okay, what movies? Like, because pretty much all of them, right? <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> oh, you're, you're getting us to confess all of our movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is an anonymous poll. <laughs> I love it. Yes. However, just because I responded, those movies doesn't mean I've watched them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, before I really woke up to Babylon and, and stuff, I mean, I, I watched all the stupidest shows and movies. I was very addicted to <laughs> all Hollywood. I could speak fluent movie quotes. Um, but yeah, everyone knows all my, my favorites. Dexter is probably my all-time favorite show. <laughs> Such a stupid movie. Or, or a stupid <laughs> show. I, I, it's so interesting to me how we are just glorifying villains these days where it's, <laughs> I mean, we, we try to make them more lovable and uh, really understand why they turned out bad. And anyway, it's, it's quite interesting how that plays into the ball cycle as well. Cameron, mm -hmm. I worked for the, uh, the producer of uh, Will and Grace. Mm-hmm his home in, in Bel Air. I was his private chef, he and his family. Yeah. And one of the things he really liked about me was that I didn't know anything about TV and movies. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't always trying to get him to uh, take a look at my portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine <laughs> that uh, rat race that, that's Hollywood, you know, where you can't even talk to people without like an ulterior motive for autographs or <laughs> read my script and, and all of this yeah that'd be amazing yeah but yeah all right well with that let's go ahead and dive into our chapter for today so Violence and sex. This is a, an interesting chapter to <laughs> spend a whole time on. Um, but this is for sure one of those that uh, we rarely talk about in Sunday school, right? Why is it, or let's see, a better question of, do you think that the Ten Commandments, for example, are in the correct order as far as importance? Like if you um, are are not worshiping the true god that should be the the first priority you need to get that one in line before you can comply with with the rest of the commandments do you believe that the ten commandments are in in their kind of prioritized order and uh, violence and sex in its good place there i wouldn't Does that make sense <laughs> i wouldn't dare tell god he gave them to us in the wrong order <laughs> 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 I wouldn't presume yep. that I know better than him. <laughs> I think it's so interesting that you're asking this question because I was just listening to a Jewish rabbi uh -huh. about this very thing. And he was talking to his congregation and his, his rabbi Mordecai Kraft, and he has really great YouTube videos, but he was going over like, he's like, do you think this is a good start to the commandments? And he was asking, and they were uh -huh. like, why are you asking me? It's like, and they were, their response was the same thing. It was, <laughs> I think God knows what he's doing, but from every, all the other, you know, offshoot commandments that they have the 613, it, it will all derive back to those 10. Mm -hmm. And it's the relationship that you are having, like the five are very considered you're having a relationship with God. And then on the flip side, the other five is very centered on your relationship with other people and how those intertwine, like with 
like thou shall have no other gods before me all of false gods and then in comparison to don't commit adultery it's the loyalty you have towards god and also your spouse or whatever so mm -hmm. so i think yeah i think <laughs> they're supposed to be there they're absolutely still um mm -hmm. that they're in their right order there um so I think it's interesting the the relationship between those those two, right? Uh, have no other gods before me, and then our biggest pull with violence and sex is this Baal myth, which is the other gods and how they're always warring and, and fighting with each other, and uh, the violence and sex that ensues uh, from it. It's kind of like if you don't get the first commandment right, this is your lot. Uh, this is what uh, Satan will. Um, get you with uh, because those things are very enticing and if he can get you on violence and sex then he can pull you away from the the true god because you're going after um the effects of uh, breaking that first commandment even so i'm just i'm having a thought about that though cameron and this may be a tangent but the ball myth doesn't that isn't that satan's mockery of cosmism oh yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. so it actually kind of is a true myth he just makes a mockery of it mm -hmm. yeah so it's interesting um not that i like you said it, it's a tangent <laughs> with cosmism because it's a, a whole different area mm -hmm. of study and everything but if we are taking a look at all of the myths of the world that they all have common roots. There's uh, the same symbols, the same actors, but they have different names, um, uh, the same storylines and everything across all of the world. And so um, how did they all homogenize it? It all came from a common source and with a, a cosmic perspective of being that the endowment used to be played out in the heavens for everyone to see. And so um, that they all have, they all seen the same thing, but they were um putting it into different story forms for their culture uh they were interpreting it the way that um they saw fit and it's kind of like the game of telephone it, it evolves over the uh the different ages of of the world and it kind of takes on its own uh, flavors and nuances based on different subsets but uh, i find it very interesting um how all of that really plays into the bible and the gospel because um the jewish people likewise have uh their own their own realities and their own myths and uh distinguishing those uh two are are very i don't know it, i <laughs> i i never would have assumed that uh, uh before i studied uh cosmism or um anything along those lines it, it kind of opened my eyes to huh there's there's many different uh traditions that kind of play both sides, right? Uh, plays into the true monotheistic God and to a, a pantheon of gods kind of thing. So maybe a simpler way to say that is it's Satan's mockery or retelling of the war in heaven. Uh-huh, yeah. I think right? that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, because we can go even farther back than cosmism and that would be pre-earth life and it would be the war in heaven so it's his mockery of telling and where he comes out ahead right mm -hmm. he's usurping god's 
place yeah as the hero um so let me share a couple links I should probably mute myself while I get this YouTube video because it's going to start blasting at me just one second Um, so I, I found a couple of videos because I was really trying to find some good synoptic versions of the, the Baal myth um, for everyone to, to watch if they uh, feel so inclined. Um, but I really love this YouTube channel, Beneath the Bible, and they talk about the sea myth, the Baal cycle, and how it relates to the Bible, how we can um, identify its characteristics and uh, the elements of it i mean isaiah is like prevalent with the the baal cycle if you don't know the baal cycle you, you're really not getting isaiah because he references sea and river um and moth and and all of these people um quite extensively but in a poetic form and so you kind of have to understand it um in order to get some of isaiah's deeper meanings or his chiastic structures um, and so I found this video very helpful um, uh, beneath the Bible YouTube channel. Uh, there's in this video that I'm sharing, it also tells um, a couple other videos of theirs that would be helpful to watch as well. And I'll let you uh, go down that rabbit hole if you <laughs> want to. Um, but this was a great overview and you'll probably have to watch it like three or four times to, to fully get it. Cause it's like a really fast paced video. <laughs> I had to like uh, watch a part, pause, process and then keep going and stuff it i don't know the delivery is not the best but it is one of the best synoptic um versions of of the sea myth i found but if you've ever studied uh egyptian mythology greek mythology uh you can find lots of different parallels in there uh, but this one does have its own nuances as well um the whole building a a castle or a fort or whatever kind of uh, kingly building um and and the window debate in it is very interesting i had never understood that from any other mythologies um but this one is uh, explains it pretty well in there um so yeah just kind of open it up like what were some of your takeaways from this chapter how can we take this apply it to our lives I think we all do pretty well to <laughs> uh, avoid violence and sex in our lives, but how can we take this and build Zion with this knowledge of um, Satan's counterfeit drama kind of thing? I'm sorry, say that again. I pulled up the link and I muted you, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. So. How can, or like, why is this chapter beneficial? What can we take out of it to actually go now and build Zion with this information? That's a, a pretty complex question, but <laughs> I've got a bunch of brainiacs here on the screen, so. <laughs> For me, it's, my thought immediately goes to, wow, I really need to teach this to my children. Um, you know, because it, I can get this and want to, avoid that but it's not just teach it but how do i how do i teach it to their hearts 
to where they can want to avoid it, not just because that's what mom says I have to do. Yeah. When like we under I'm sorry, go oh, for go it. Ahead. No, I was just gonna say when we under like we often read the Bible and it's so those things were like, oh, we don't do that. We don't do that. So when we understand it, we can recognize it in our own life and then we can have the choice to expel it. But if we can't recognize it, then we easily become partakers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's this uh, kind of push and pull of, of opinions, right? That, oh, but just watching it isn't participating in it. it you know, it, it's fine. It's just, it's on the screen. We're not actually doing it. You know, like video games don't uh, make people violent and, and things like it's the same kind of argument of it's OK to, to view, but not to participate in. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't think that anyone can is that immune. I don't think anyone has that kind of blanket immunity, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> But, well, but just even the Bible tells us what we spend our time on is what we worship, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're told that everywhere. So if we're spending our time viewing it, what are we worshiping? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I believe it was Anna's comment in uh, when we were doing the uh, the Slido there of uh, with the caveat, right? That myths and stories are great as long as you're still rooted in in the bible because if you're only hinging and having your world shaped by what you consume um other outside of the bible then <laughs> it, it really doesn't do you any good because all of the extracurriculars are to help expand some of those ancient cultural things that we misunderstand from the Bible and try to put them in a better context um, that's more relatable since we are so far removed from that time. But um, uh, I, I think that that's a, a huge, um, excellent point that we always need to be rooted in the scriptures in order to discern the the proper meanings out of any type of entertainment that we might consume, whether it's produced by the church or you know from a uh oh a seemingly good source it, it, it's disney what harm could be in that right <laughs> i think it is um i think it's really important for us to be aware of the power of this myth um it can even play out in our children's lives in school situations because when I went to um, the university, well, it was before the University of Washington, I was going to a community college right across from the Bellevue Temple in Washington. And um, one of the teachers from the University of Washington, we were doing a class on reading drama because it was a literature class. So we weren't acting out, but we, it was drama. Mm -hmm. And it was um, shocking. She was a visiting professor so it wasn't like she was on the faculty and she had this class of young students. I was married with my children, but most of the students were just regular college age and read something that was just so vile and it was an assigned, you know, assignment. It was just so vile. I had never, it was like my first time to ever even like, wow. And I asked Heavenly Father to just expunge it from my mind because it was that bad. I didn't want it to, I didn't want to have it part of me at all. 
And when I went into class that day, some of the younger girls gravitated to me. Uh, and they wanted to ask me, what did you think of that? And I told them, I said, that was pure trash. And they were so relieved. They needed to be able to identify what that was, what they had experienced. And so I think that the, the more understanding we have of being able to discern the true story from the one that's being hijacked to deliver things that um, would be ultimately satanic is just a really important thing in the protecting of children. And then on that note, moving forward in a different direction in growing Zion, I also think that there are a lot of people out there that are stranded in this myth. I think of people, they're like the captives that need to be released. You know, when you read about Isaiah and the captives will be released, I think about several people that I know that have such profound uh, addictions to pornography that they, they're at a point where they don't believe that there's any other way. Mm -hmm. And so I think there can be a lot, um, hopefully, potentially done with these people that are just so um struggling with that mm -hmm. yeah because the more that we consume it the more that it's stuck in there and we are creatures of of habit we we replicate what we watch and uh it, it becomes a, a vicious cycle doesn't it mm -hmm. so just kind of opening up that question of how do we fully escape it um, whether it's a, a personal story, you know, if you, you feel so inclined to share, but um, how do we help people expunge this stuff from their minds? Because uh, it, it <laughs> we grow up in uh, in this day and age when it is everywhere. Like there's no escaping it. There's um, I, <laughs> I you, you can receive text messages out of nowhere that just uh, can can have garbage in them, and and you're just there's there's nowhere to really hide. I mean, you can try your best to be a recluse and <laughs> and just live in the temple or 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 something, but like there's just no way to fully escape all of it. And so, how do we um, take that and 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 get it out of our minds and really uh, inoculate ourselves and reverse the damage that is caused, uh, whether it's ourselves, our families, our communities, etc. I think I the only thing we can do is shine the light into the darkness. That's the only thing that can really face darkness is light. Mm -hmm. I love what you said too, Lisa, about like when, when, you know, you heard that, that professor reading that, that you pray to have it expunged. And that was like, that really stood out to me as something I should do more and teach my children is that when, you know, when you are assaulted with that kind of stuff that to trust that God can, can remove the effects of that, heal you, get rid of that evil, right? I love that. So I think just, yeah, what Lisa said there too. I think also I was listening to um, Megan's podcast this week with Todd 
-hmm. and um they were talking about the addiction cycle and his addiction sexual addiction and um he said the only way that he got over it was when he gave it to Christ. And so I think that's all we can do and help others do is get to a point where we desire sin no more so he can change us. And, and because otherwise it's we can't do it on our own. We can only do it with Christ. Mm -hmm. And Christ is love. And I really truly believe that the only way to overcome addiction, especially ones that are so profound, uh, that are involved in that myth, those are the ones that are so powerful, um, is through the power of love, which is the power and the light of Christ. So yes, mm -hmm. yes to that comment. Yeah. So I, I don't know, it's probably been six years. I remember it kind of started just before Sister Marriott's talk. And she talked about when she joined the church and that we need to help people overcome their false traditions like people helped her. Mm -hmm. And I've just really, it's, I mean, it's not something I've thought about all this time, like constantly, but something that's been in the back of my mind is false beliefs. And I think false, some of the false beliefs come from church. Some of them, you know, are just, the way we were raised, our family, you know, false beliefs, false traditions, things like that. <clears throat> That's what we see in the Book of Mormon, right? It, and even in in Isaiah, the false beliefs that were handed down. And I think that I believe as I've started identifying false beliefs, as I've started rooting out false beliefs from my life, um, I have found a confidence um that wasn't there before so i'm i just think like i think a lot of the ills in the world come because we're dealing with things that we believe that aren't true mm -hmm. um and so i just i think rooting out false beliefs and and finding truth which is jesus christ um all of like pornography, addictions, whatever. It all is something that things that we're doing to try to numb our false beliefs. And I just, I've kind of really been seeing false beliefs a lot lately mm -hmm. and realizing, um, yeah, I, I went, I'm in a book club Thursday night in our church and some, a lady asked, how do you help a family who thinks that their father's going to hell because he committed suicide? That's a false belief, you know, and it's causing so much pain. I just think a lot of pains that we come, that we have come from false beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's just my thought about it. Yeah, I, I love that because it kind of comes back down to those, those first commandments, right? If you, if you, know god and he is the only the sole focus of of uh your your being then you can start weeding out all of the false beliefs those false beliefs are really what take the tangents and get you going down the wrong roads and it's hard because you believe them you think you have truth mm -hmm. so finding truth is what heals us yeah I love that. that's my thought yeah mom 
Um, I just think this made me think of this on the church site. A lot of times they have little stories or persons telling about their addiction or something and they, you know, tell the little, their story and stuff. And they had this guy on there and he was, I, I don't know. He, he wasn't yeah, really young, but he wasn't old either. I say he's probably about 30 and he had problem with a pornography at really bad. And he'd been in a lot of different programs trying to rid himself of this stuff. And it was just always a haunt, haunting him. And then um, he got directed to go, to go work on um, family history. Mm-hmm. And so he started into that and it, he was able to get out of this hole that he was in by doing that and he he went on to explain that um that he could feel the help from uh his ancestors on the other side mm-hmm. and uh that's what helped him get through that and get back on the right path and he he said he's uh it's been the best thing for him uh not only for to get him out of the pornography, but it helped get connected with his ancestors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it kind of takes that when we're mired, we become very myopic, right? And and only involved in ourselves. But if we can, can finally reach out, even if we have to have some sort of intervention where uh, God reaches into us to to help us uh, with that, break that. Uh, myopic view when we can realize the the help that is available and that other people are struggling as well and if, yeah if we could just come outside of ourselves and actually start serving and, and saving others it, it really is an amazing process to to help break satan's tentacles into, into our lives yeah lisa oh i'm unmuted okay so um Getting back to, that was awesome, by the way, Darlene, getting back to um, some of the false beliefs ideas too. I think uh, as Alethea talked about ridding herself of false beliefs, which can even be familial and seem so like, you know, you got them from your parents. What do you mean? You know what I, so it can be a big process, but as we do that, I believe we are better able to bear his light. We have more capacity. And then we're able to, uh, through that light, help others, those captives that I spoke about from Isaiah that, you know, need to be released from their spiritual bondage, whatever those things are that are creating stumbling blocks um, in their lives. And also just to amplify the idea of false beliefs is I believe anything that separates us from God is going to be um, so painful that I I've even hypothesized that that it's separation from God that is at the heart of every addictive addiction, depression, anxiety, 
even those dysfunctional behavioral patterns that people seem to be so prone to, I've hypothesized that all of those have the same root, which is basically separation from God. Because that, to me, separation from God must be at some level of our being the most painful thing that we will ever experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, don't... I totally agree with you, Lisa. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I just think that when we have that separation, then we believe false things, um, and then we do things or feel things like depression to numb, right? Mm -hmm. Or we lash out and become abusive because we don't feel good enough, right? So anyway. Sorry. No, you're good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like that you brought that up. I especially have been pondering about, you know, how do people get to the point where they separate themselves so far from God? And I truly think that it's just living in this world and living in this world causes trauma. And when you have that trauma caused to you, you have a choice of whether to rely on certain things. You can rely on Christ or you can go, you can worship quote unquote false idols, whatever they may be. And I think, I think, I know Abraham has mentioned this in other books and other lectures. I think what's most pervasive now, um, especially in accepting false beliefs so that you feel better about the trauma that has been caused, um, especially in the sex side is the, you know, the homosexuality and the um transgenderism that's happening it's not that we don't we're not looking i'm obviously looking at these people with utmost compassion because they're they're lashing out in this way because there's some sort of trauma that has been caused and that they're not relying on what you know what we would believe that they should turn towards christ and that's why i think it's so important to that i'm trying to learn this history of the consequences of blah failism I guess you would say it and what the consequences are and bringing that to light so that they can see that's not the right path like that's not what you would want to be going down and that really it's turning to Christ and that's going to heal your trauma and that's what's going to make you better and that's what's going to get us to Zion is being deeply rooted in the values but but you have to also learn the history and the consequences of those choices that people are making or what you might be making as well mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I love that because it, it's interesting, um, even though we might have uh, overcome uh, the the effects of uh, the false beliefs, the traditions, the uh, myopicness, all of that, um, looking and, and trying to help others and, and being compassionate, like living in the world, but not being part of the world, right? Like there's uh what's that <laughs> that one meme i always see the the stupid clown that's um uh, getting dressed up right so at first we're like Ew, that's disgusting and then we're like okay but we need to love them and then we go into an acceptance and then we full-on embrace it and encourage it and then anybody that believes in it is completely um uh, let's see anyone that uh is still in the, in the disgusted camp I, I would say is is then ostracized like oh you have to accept it and everyone uh, in line of the like homosexual right is, is what I'm referring to like we've went 180 degrees like we're just so far on the other side and um as we are helping other people um 
come out of that or, or realize um, the, the light that is available through Christ and, and everything. It, it's, it's a hard road to, to go down because I think everyone is now to some degree has that in their life, someone that they love or at least community or, or uh, uh, to some degree uh, affected by it, right? And uh, being in the world, but not of the world is a hard, um, well, it's just one of our, our learning curves, right? Of, of not accepting it and championing it versus staying rooted in pure doctrine and um, being fully loving for anyone that is struggling or um, uh, parading that uh, around kind of a thing. That makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think that that goes with, with all um, violence and sex, everything that's, that's under that umbrella, that we have this push and pull. We're, we're never fully out of it because we still have to minister to our loved ones who may still be immersed in it into one degree or another. Yeah. So I just, honestly, we live in hell <laughs> because Satan was cast down here, right? We just live in hell. And so it's speaking to what you were saying, it's um, learning, becoming, heaven while we're in hell right mm -hmm. i don't know if the word is heaven but focused on on christ on god and choosing that over choosing what's offered here mm -hmm. and that's hard that's hard sometimes because this whole world is full of false beliefs as we see in baalism right or ballism um it's everywhere it's everywhere. So it's easy to learn and it's easy to believe, which feeds us a lot of false beliefs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This one, this book is just coming to mind, but um, so Lance Richardson's material that um, uh, our own book club did uh, a while back, um, he wrote a fictional series. So he studied the uh, the Hopi Indians and, and many tribes around uh, the world that had uh, similar apocalyptic um, prophecies or um, missions for the end times. And uh, after studying all of that and really diving into what Zion is and, and how we built it, um, he and his brother and, and another uh, guy, Larry Barkdell, uh, wrote a two-part fictional series on the, the city of Zion. And so it kind of chronicles, and it's kind of written for like a teenage young adult audience. Um, but uh, anyway, it kind of chronicles this family and this community's overturning the the Zion or uh, overturning the world in their heart to embrace a, a Zion culture. Like it, it's on the brink of destruction, and they have to escape, but their family. Uh, isn't all coming with them and so uh, it, it's an interesting little read if, if anybody's interested in it um but uh what's it called um it, it's zion oh, something. I I'll, I'll go get it after our, our class it's right. on the to get the actual title but um it's larry Barkdoll, and um let me type that doll and lance richard son are the 
there's three authors and I forget, I think it's Mark Richardson maybe. Anyway, three authors that uh, uh, did this fictional series. Um, but anyway, I, I found it very interesting. And honestly, it kind of is like a perfect uh, fiction book about modern idolatry. So like uh, the one son is involved in a nature cult and uh, the other one is, uh, with, anyway, their whole family has different little issues that they need to help pull them out. Um, uh, in in various different ways the the mother is the the stalwart one that <laughs> uh, never did quite uh, fully embrace the the babylon culture although they're living there and uh it's also kind of like a sodom and gomorrah type story with with lot and his daughters almost but anyway i, I find it very interesting um to read it alongside uh, this modern idolatry book because i mean we're talking about fact and then we're talking about fiction and a little bit of application with it mm -hmm. um, anyway i don't know why it's coming to mind somebody might want to read it <laughs> um yeah so anything else with with this chapter that you'd like to uh, touch on before we head out for the day uh, next week we're going to be uh, doing chapter five on pop music that one's a little bit longer of a chapter it's more than just Two pages. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, love all of you. Happy Saturday. <laughs> Getting ready for, for Sunday. But yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and, and head out for the day. If anyone wants to stick around, I'm going to go get, grab that book really quick and, and pop it up on the screen. But... Um, the, I believe this is the first one. Actually, I don't know. They're both here. <laughs> and one doesn't say volume one or volume two. So it's Zion, the long road to sanctification. Larry Barkdale, Lance Richardson, and Ron McMillan. And then uh, Zion seeking the city of Enoch. And if I, let me see which one's first. Oh, this one's the first one. Which one? Because I actually have that one. Yeah. I think I picked them up at DI while, I, while I've been here. Yeah, that's where I got mine too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I usually has these. Uh, Zion, Seeking the City of Enoch. And then the I'm second gonna... one, Zion, yeah. The Long Road to Sanctification. And that's, that's a good the second one. one. Awesome. That will probably a good one to have my kids read. And mm -hmm. yeah, always looking for good books like that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's yeah. so amazing. As I was reading just like that last chapter, sorry, we can go soon, but <laughs> that in or last paragraph in the chapter of, of the violence and sex. Uh-huh. You know, he quotes the Isaiah 33, 15, stopping our ears at the mention of murder, shutting our eyes at the sight of wickedness. 
And it's just so right there. Like, why do we even question if we should be watching these things, right? Listening, watching, whatever. Like, I don't know. I, I, I just think there's like, there's no argument. There shouldn't be any argument in it, right? It's just so right there that we should be avoiding those things. Anyway. Do you remember the, do you remember the conference talk? It's probably been about seven to 10 years now. Um, but I think it was one of the apostles and he said, just because a movie doesn't only has violence in it doesn't mean it's okay. And, right. he, and he went on to say how violence is just as offensive, you know, and Christ is the Prince of Peace. He's not the wow. Prince of Chaos, right? And how we, how we say, oh, that movie's okay. There's no sex. It's just violence. Like we put them in two different categories. I know I have in the past. Mm -hmm. It's always like, oh, it's violence. Like that doesn't affect me because I'm not going to go be violent. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yet, oh my gosh, how sad. Yeah. But entertaining it is, yeah. Like you, I, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I don't want to say that anyways. I'm just saying you're supporting an industry, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that you don't really believe in. So I don't know. It just encourages more. That said, if you want to see a really sweet, cute movie, <laughs> Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris is the sweetest, sweetest movie. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. I can't tell you that it's a romance or a comedy. Like it doesn't fit into anything. It's just about a woman that is good. Hmm. And then because she's good and kind when bad things happen people are good and kind to her mm -hmm. and apparently it's a remake from angela lansbury but anyway mm -hmm. <laughs> just sweet and good and kind yeah yeah anyway <laughs> i don't watch too many movies anymore but that one was super cute super sweet mm -hmm. Okay, maybe it's materialism because the whole story is she just wants to buy a Dior dress. But <laughs> <laughs> there it is, right there. We found it. Materialism, but that's what not the point of the that? movie. <laughs> but that's not the point of the movie. The, mo the point of the movie is how sweet and kind she is. Yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, we'll head out for another week of we gotta go back to Babylon, right? <laughs> anyway, we'll see everyone next week. Thank go you. back to Babylon Bye. and try to stay out. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Bye.